Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Dental Download Podcast. My name is Haley. I'm your host. I'm a D1 at the University of Michigan School of Dentistry, if this is your first time listening. And if it is your first time listening, be sure to check out our Instagram at Dental Download Podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps spread this podcast to other listeners so that it can help and inform more people. But today, we do have another guest. We have Dr. Jordan Brown joining us. He talks about his experience at University of Michigan School of Dentistry a little bit about his application process. We go into scholarships, and he is a recipient of the National Health Corps Scholarship. So he talks about his experience with that, why he thinks everyone should apply for it, and why it's so great. We also talk about diversity in dentistry and in dental school specifically. We talk about his residency program that he is in right now at the University of Florida. So we really cover a lot of cool topics, and I think you're all really going to enjoy this episode. But before we get into it, I do just want to do a quick little intro catching you up on what's happening with me, and then also sharing some motivation going into this week and this Monday for you. So recapping, we have a crazy, crazy, crazy week ahead. It's Saturday right now when I'm recording the intro, and we had an exam last Friday, so yesterday, and then on Monday we have an exam in cell and molecular biology. On Wednesday, we have an exam in applied biomaterials. On Thursday, I have my first sim lab practical. We're doing a class one amalgam prep and a class one composite restoration. And then after that, I have a quiz in cell and molecular biology, followed by another quiz in oral facial function, rounding off the week with a third exam on Friday and infection and immunity. So crazy, crazy schedule. We're in 24 credits this term and it really hasn't been too bad. I've been really good about keeping up with it. And a lot of these classes are doing nearly weekly quizzes, which as annoying as it may be week to week, it really does force you to learn the material. So I've been enjoying this fall term so far, and it's been a really great balance of hands-on learning and learning about patient interaction, clinical skills, Um, just like I said, building rapport with patients, how to use Axiom, like the system that we enter the patient information into, all those kinds of more clinic-based skills. And then also our didactic courses, our science classes, and they've all really been more honed in on the oral cavity and um, like saliva and enamel and dentin rather than last term we were learning like histology of a lot of different body systems and head and neck anatomy. So more kind of general information that laid a foundation for us now in this fall term to be going more in depth into the science of dentistry. And then next year, we're going to start doing our systems classes again, where we're going to get a more holistic look at the different systems of the body, whether that's physiology, pathology, histology, all those areas of each body system. But yeah, so really just lots of studying this week, nothing too crazy. Um, I did go to a couple club events. I went to, last week I went to yoga at the park with the AAWD. I've done a few more Bible studies with the Christian Dental Association. I've been going to some ASDA Zoom. So really just trying to make the most of my time and trying to meet people in whatever capacity that I can that is safe. But for our motivation this week, I just wanted to kind of challenge you guys to figure out which of these two perspectives is the most beneficial for you? Because for me, I'm realizing that when I have a lot on my plate, like all these exams, I personally find that it's the easiest to stay motivated and not get stressed out if I just don't look at the big picture, if I don't think too far ahead, if I just create a study schedule for whatever days, and then after that, don't really flinch, don't really think about it. I just do whatever's on that list and I make sure it gets done. Because beforehand, when I was making the schedule, it was made the specific way to have these practice quizzes done on this day and these lectures covered that if you're going to deviate from it, that's when you would get stressed. But as long as you give yourself enough time to study, I really think that 
once you make a schedule, don't start thinking about tomorrow. Don't start thinking about the next day. Don't start thinking about exam day. Just to get everything done for that day. Trust yourself. Know that you have a good plan in hand and it's all going to be okay. But on the flip side, I know for some people and maybe if you're in a tougher spot mentally, it can be helpful to actually look at the big picture if you're feeling discouraged with your studying or if you're having trouble getting motivated. Like I said last week, I'm personally like hyper motivated every fall term for some reason. I just come in like ready to go. No problem studying for hours and hours and hours for some weird reason. But if you're not like that, if you're having a hard time getting adjusted to your coursework or to whatever's happening, I would just go back to remembering your why, remembering the super big picture, not even thinking about next week or next month or this exam or next exam, thinking about the big picture of graduating with your DDS or DMD What is that going to do for you? What is that going to provide for you? And we do get into that in this episode with Dr. Jordan Brown. I do ask him, like, why are you even into into dentistry? Like, what kind of foundation is this going to lay for your life? And I really do like the perspective that he gives. So I'm going to, on that note, let you guys listen to this episode. I hope you enjoy it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone. So we do have another guest on the podcast today. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Jordan Brown. I'm a 2020 graduate of the University of Michigan School of Dentistry. I am a National Health Service Corps scholar. I'm a current AEGD resident, and I am somewhat fairly active on Instagram as uh, at symbol Dr. Jordan Brown. Awesome. Yeah, your Instagram is great. I've been following you for many years now, so big fan. <laughs> oh, thank, thank you. Thank you. Um, so where are you doing your residency? So I'm doing my residency down in um, Tampa, in the Tampa area. I was born in Orlando, and so went up to school in Michigan. So I was trying to figure out where I wanted to go after I finished school. And while I was researching programs, Tampa, the program down here was one of the best. I decided to come back home. That's great. So kind of backtracking a little bit before residency, can you just talk briefly about why you chose University of Michigan for your dental school? Sure. So I applied, I would say fairly broadly, I applied to eight different schools. And the main things I was looking for was uh, the opportunity to go down different routes in dentistry. Because the, the reason dentistry is so cool is because You can specialize, you can do general, you can do research, you can do academia, you can do public health. There's so many different things you could do. At the time, as a pre-dental student, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so when I was looking at schools, I wanted to make sure if I did want to go down any of those avenues, I could do it. And so Michigan, when I was looking at the schools, I saw that they had the availability of those opportunities. They had um, a strong diversity, equity, and inclusion department. It was a large school atmosphere, which I wasn't used to because I graduated from a small liberal arts school and they had early clinical exposure and they had a pretty solid reputation in the United States as a, as a great dental school. So those things together kind of led me to Michigan. Great. So how did you kind of make the most of your experience there? Is there anything else maybe you wish you did some advice for current dental students? So 
Michigan is very unique in that you set your own clinical schedule pretty much. Um, the school pretty much gives you a lot of patients, but it's up to you to call them. It's up to you to schedule them. It's up to you to make sure your schedule is filled. Because at the end of the day, if your schedule is not filled, the responsibility of that relies on you. You know, no one's going to come down. Your patient care coordinator won't come down and say, hey, Jordan, I'm noticing your schedule's not really filled. You know, what's going on? You know, they may do that if you're getting really, really behind in your points for graduation, but most of the time they don't do that. And so for me, I made it my, my responsibility to make sure my schedule was packed every single day. And that sounds a lot easier said than done um, because you don't really have too many patients on your patient schedule, on your patient list. You may have anywhere between 40 to 60 if you're lucky. Um, but what I tried to do is if a patient was, was canceling at the last minute, I would find something else to do in the dental school. So I would go down to radiology. If radiology didn't need help, I'd go over to oral surgery. If oral surgery didn't need help, I'd go over to perio. If perio didn't need help, I'd try to go over and shadow an endo. So every single day I was at school, I tried to make the most of it and learn something while I was there. Now, with that being said, I think what I should have done better is that um, in Michigan, they really incentivize you to finish all your points for graduation. We call them CEUs. Other schools call them REUs. There's different names. Essentially, you get points for procedures, and those points count towards graduation. I think at Michigan, you need 1,200. And so um, at the time, I was grinding, you know, head to book or head to clinic schedule, whatever um, you would want to call it. Um, I finished all my points, I think, almost a semester, a semester and a half early, pretty much. So I had all my points for graduation pretty much done. And so after you do that, there's no real incentive to come to school. And so I will be honest and say at that point, you know, I really didn't care if my schedule was filled. It, I, there comes a certain point in clinic where you're like, I'm tired of getting up and setting up your cubicle and doing all this for, you know, a one surface filling. It, it's a lot of work with very little return on your invested time. And so I, I wish looking back, I would have used more of that time to shadow more of the graduate specialty clinics like grad restorative or grad endo where you can go in there and just shadow. Yeah. So speaking of that, that leads me into kind of my next question. How did you know that you wanted to do um, an AEDD program? And then are you looking to specialize after that? Or are you still thinking general dentistry? Sure. So for me, um, I am a National Health Service Corps scholar. So kind of similar to your dentistry with Stephen episode, how he's working in FQHC. I applied for the scholarship, which basically pays for all of dental school. They give you a living stipend each month. And in exchange, you commit yourself to practicing within an underserved community. Now, an underserved community has a very liberal definition, but essentially it's just a, uh, a geographic region or population of people that doesn't have the amount of dentists that they need. Okay. And they define those areas. And so for me, with this program, you have to essentially commit to general dentistry or pediatrics. Okay. And so I didn't want to do pediatrics and I want to do general dentistry um, with, and so with that, um, I had to do general dentistry, but I could do a residency. Um, so when I was looking at different programs, I want to uh, find a program that would better prepare me, not only for life as an FQHC dentist or essentially a dentist in the community health center, but also for kind of private practice after I finished my 
Got it. So even though your program is through University of Florida, are you at a community health clinic or do you go into like their hospital or dental school? Yeah, so it's it's all separate. Um, the FQHCs and the National Health Service School, that's all separate from residency. That's that's all okay. after this. Got it's, it. It's, no, yeah, this is completely, completely separate um, I'm from that. Nice. So when you were selecting your program, what kind of things were you looking for? I was looking for just the opportunity to learn because when you're in dental school, they, depending on the dental school you go to, most are like this, but they didn't allow me to get all the opportunities I want, which is understandable because you're a pre-doc and you're learning. You don't really place implants at Michigan. You only get two endo. Um, you aren't allowed to do complicated prost. You're doing a lot of removable. Like there's so many cool things out there in dentistry that, that we can do, but um, unfortunately, at school, they just don't really give you all those opportunities. And so things I wanted to learn was I wanted to gain more experience in complicated fixed prost. So things like full mouth rehabilitations, when you're not just doing one or two crowns, but you may be you know, prepping all the anterior crowns in the mouth, maybe opening up someone's vertical dimension. Um, you may, I wanted to do cosmetic dentistry. I wanted to do Invisalign. I wanted to do um, more endo. I wanted to place and restore implants. I wanted to do... Um, place implants and restore them with what we call it kind of an overdenture, which is a denture that's supported by implants. There's a lot of different things out there. And so when you're looking for different residency programs, you want to find one that aligns with your interests. Very, very few programs allow you to do all those things in one year because 12 months really isn't isn't a lot of time. But when I was doing my research, I found that this program essentially allowed us to do all those things in one year. And so with that being said, it is a highly competitive program, but it's well worth the, uh, the time spent here. That's really great that you've been, uh, well, you will be able to get exposed to so many new procedures. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. So kind of pivoting to a different topic, we got a question about this. I know that you've been with your current girlfriend for a long time. Do you have any advice for maintaining a relationship while you're in dental school or even now in residency? Yeah, so actually, my she's my fiance now, so that's that's exciting. Right. <laughs> um, we got in, engaged when I was a D three, I believe. And so the biggest advice I can give is just maintain constant communication. I mean, even if it's just one text a day saying good morning, um, I'm going to be a little busy today, but I just want to let you know that I'm okay. Like those little text messages, those those go a long way because if you just go all day without texting someone, you don't text them the morning or the night, it's like, is this person even alive, you know? And so for me, I know I get very tunnel vision. If I'm focusing on a project, if I'm focusing on studying, or if I'm focusing on clinic, I will commit everything to that. I'll throw away my phone and I'll just, you know, focus on that. But with that being said, that's not very good for a healthy relationship. So I highly recommend setting time for FaceTime dates and just making sure you're sending text messages just as uh, as a reminder that hey, I care about you, and that um, and that I'm I'm okay, and I'm safe, and I'm not dead in a ditch somewhere or something. Yeah, I get that for sure. Thank you. So, yeah. kind of speaking about what you were saying, that you can be like tunnel vision sometimes, and like you're a very naturally driven person. I definitely like through your Instagram and everything, you can see that you're very like motivated and you've been very successful, which is great. But are there ever times that you feel maybe like really overwhelmed or overworked, and how do you get through that? 
Yeah, all all the time, even even right now. <laughs> like I, have to, it's a Saturday when we're recording this, but I have to go into lab and finish some cases after this. Um, dental school is stressful. Dental school is super stressful, especially in Michigan when you are a D one or D two and you're trying to keep the opportunities for for specializing and residency open. It's it's tough, you know. But if it wasn't tough, if or if it, if it wasn't tough, everyone would would do it. You know, everyone would be. Orthodontist and 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 oral surgeon maybe, um, but with that being said, um, I just think about your why. You know, why are you doing something? What motivates you to do it? For me, the establishment of an economic foundation for my family and my future family members that's very important to me. And so when I'm sitting there at you know three o'clock in the morning studying for an exam, I'm not thinking, oh, I need to do this exam because I need an A in this class. I'm thinking about it because I need to learn this information so I can become a dentist so that I can provide for my future family. You know, so that's kind of what helps helps keep me resilient in times of adversity. Yeah, that's a really great tip. That's something I thought about in this D1 summer. I was like, I need to like write on a piece of paper exactly why I want to be here so I can like reference that when I'm like struggling. So I definitely agree with that. So another question is about how do you handle when like your schedule needs to change or like if you have some kind of setback that really just like throws what you thought your plan was going to be kind of out the window? I am a big advocate of go with the flow and you can, and if you can't change things, just go with it. When I'm going through life, nothing is always going to go as you predicted. That's just a function of life. And so if something changes and something happens, I just say, okay, I just, I just roll with it, you know, because there's no point in, in, in thinking about, oh, what could have been, or it should have been this way. Why is it going this way? Just, just go with the, just go with it. Um, I think that in life, if you just have the mindset that everything happens for a reason, it just helps calm your mind. So, 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 so much. So I just, I just roll with the punches. That's really great. I need to work to have more of that attitude. So I definitely appreciate that. So on a little new topic, um, people wanted to talk a little bit about scholarships and also like saving money while you're in dental school. So um, I know you worked as an RA for a way to save money. Can you talk a little bit about that or any other ways that you tried to limit how much you were spending in dental school? Sure. So for, for dental students and future dental students out there, um, understand that loans, if you take out, you know, $20,000 of loans, you're not just borrowing $20,000 because you have to take into account the interest and the payback period. So if you're taking out $20,000, by the time you pay that back, it could be more like twenty five, dollars $27,000, okay? So when you're going to the grocery store and buying something and it says it's $20, that's really more like $25 by the time you pay back your loan, okay? And so when I was researching different dental schools, um, the cost of attendance was an absolute driving factor in my dental school decision. I could have went to a lot of different dental schools. I could have went to Penn, UCLA. Um, I went to Michigan, Detroit Mercy. I had different options, but Michigan, at least at the time, was a very affordable option for me, that also combined everything that, that I wanted. When it comes to financial management tips, um, I was an RA my D3 year. For anyone who's unfamiliar, an RA is a resident advisor. And typically, these are found in undergraduate campuses. But fortunately, Michigan actually had graduate student apartment housing, which is where I live. Um, so that and me being an RA, they gave me free housing. Free housing actually saved me around, around probably $1,000 
a month for four year. And I only did D3 year because D4 year, we have clinical rotations that are around the state. And so if you're traveling that much, you can't also be an RA. But with that being said, it was 12 months of essentially free rent. The ability to cut down on fixed expenses is one way to definitely save you a lot of money and and loans. And so when you're doing your financial management, your financial budget tips, you have fixed expenses and variable expenses. Fixed expenses are the ones that are static from month to month to month. They don't change. Variable expenses, those are the ones that essentially are variable. They change from month to month. So fixed expenses are typically your largest expenses in dental school, things like um, your rent. That's the biggest one. If you can live with a roommate, that'll substantially cut down your rent. If you live in a house with a bunch of other dental students, that'll give you a few things. It'll cut down your rent. It'll give you more camaraderie with your classmates. It'll give you study buddies. With that being said, I couldn't have roommates because I like to live alone and I have weird study schedule and I like to be very neat and clean. And so <laughs> I couldn't have roommates, but that's a huge way to cut down on your rent. Second way, choose a very, very affordable dental school. Uh, at, the, at the end of the day, I know they have school rankings and all these things. At the end of the day, most schools teach you the, the same bare, bare bones stuff, how to do a filling, how to do a crown, how to take out a tooth, how to do a denture. It's, it's pretty much the same. And then also save money. Um, groceries are a huge expense too. If you can find a group of classmates and split a Costco or Sam's Club membership, that's going to save you a ton of money. Those I think are, are the main ones. And you know, if you can get a job on the side, I would proceed that with caution because at the end of the day, school is your job. You know, you don't want to get so caught up in saving money that you're taking away from your clinical education. And so I was an RA, but it was a very relaxed job. One day out of the week, we had a Monday night meeting and essentially I worked on my own schedule. So it was, it was a very flexible. So if you have a job of any type, find one that's very flexible that you can do that doesn't interfere with your uh, clinical education. Thanks. So following along on that topic of financing dental school, can you talk a little bit about finding scholarships and maybe how to be a competitive applicant for those scholarships? The best scholarship hands down for dental school is the National Health Service Course Scholarship. I am biased because that's a scholarship I have, but I'm going to probably give you, I'm going to give you a few reasons why it's the best. One, it's not a military commitment like the Navy, Army, Air Force. Okay, There's no service um, there, when you go to practice in the community, they don't tell you where you need to go. You choose where to go. Um, after you are complete with your dental um, school education, you choose the place you want to go. And they have essentially a map online of all the different um, qualifying clinics for the program. And they have uh, qualifying sites in nearly every major city in, in, the United, in the United States. It changes from time to time. Well, I checked a few days ago and they had qualifying clinics in like Tampa, Atlanta, Los Angeles, Houston. They're, they're everywhere, you know, and I think that a lot of people get turned off um, on the program because they hear National Health Service Corps. And I think, oh, no, that's that's the military. I don't want to do that. You know, I, I can't run and jump like it's it's nothing like that. It's it's a very, very lax program. And I think that if more people looked into it, they would find out just how attractive the program is actually when I was a D three, I believe I hold, I wrote a whole book on the national Health service course scholarship for pre-dental and dental students. I those application, uh, application tips, guidelines to applying for, and I gave it out for free on Instagram. You know, I just asked in, in exchange for a shout out on your story. 
Now just DM me the book. So I wrote the book, I don't know, probably two, three years ago and still being shared around now. So if you do want the book, just message me on Instagram and I'll send you a copy of it. That actually perfectly leads into another question I had <laughs> about what made you decide to start writing the eBooks and the other PDFs that you've been giving out, especially for free for most of them. Sure. So for for me as a when I was a pre dental student slash dental student, I well I should say when I was a pre dental student, I definitely didn't have a mentor. I didn't have any dentist in the family, and so I didn't know what the process was like to to dental licensure. I, I just Googled online how to become a dentist, and I was kind of just following that until I found my mentors. And and when I was thinking about how lost I was as a student, I was like, you know what? It's time for me to help out the people that needed the help. You know, I imagined myself back as a pre-dental student and how valuable information was and that I didn't have. And so I just wanted to basically just give back to pre-dental students that didn't have that guidance like I had. Um, and from that, I wrote. I've written three three books. One was on the National Health Service Corps, and now it's hands down the best scholarship to pay for dental school. I've written one, which was a collaboration between classmates and specialists, um, which and was a, was a residency guide. And so, my our classmates, we have some. I had some ex- exceptional colleagues in my graduating class. You know, they went in ortho, pros, pediatrics, OMFS, and during the whole COVID shutdown thing, I was like, hey guys. I have an idea for this this residency guy. Would you guys be able to contribute to that? And they said, yeah, Jordan, yeah, let's do it. And essentially, it was just a guide on applying to different residency programs and evaluation criteria you can use to pick the best program. And we gave it out for free, too, on, on Instagram. And, 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 of course, I gave credit to everyone, and they were more than happy to, to kind of help out the next generation. And then, so that was the second book. And the last one was just patient communication for dental students. I know that in dental school, you were doing a lot of things for the first times, and patients will <laughs> straight up ask you, is this your first time doing this? Have you done this before? Is this going to hurt? Why is this taking so long? My other dentist didn't say that. I don't want these feelings. I just want whitening. Why can't you do this? I don't want a deep cleaning. Like They ask all these different types of questions. And so from that, I was like, you know what? I wish someone would have told me how to respond to these questions as a student, because if you're a patient in a chair and you need uh, a shot or an injection and you ask them, have you done this before? Or is this going to hurt? And they say, this is my first time doing it. You're going to scare the patient. <laughs> like they're, they're going to be stuck there in the chair. because they, they, they essentially can't leave because they've already committed to it, but you don't want to unnecessarily give your patient anxiety. So I wrote a book on basically how to, how to kind of approach the situations in a way that builds confidence um, with yourself and your patients. And so that one is available online. It's on Amazon and it's a, it's a link in my Instagram bio. It's only five bucks. It's, I don't know, maybe 20 pages or so. And I think it's well worth the investment for that one. But I don't know, when I was a kid, I always liked writing. I thought I'd be an author. And so it was a great outlet um, outside of clinic to just write books. Yeah. So I know that some dentists like have books on like running a practice or things like that. Like, would you like to continue publishing books in the future? Or, like maybe public speaking or something? I don't know. I, I mean, I, yeah. I don't know where the, where the future will hold. I do like um, just kind of sharing my, my story to, to other people because I do think it does provide insight into the difficulties of, of getting to that point where you have your dental license. Um, so, so maybe, you know, I think, well, let's see, this past year I was invited to speak at the National Dental Association's convention, but unfortunately due to COVID, they, um, they had to move it online. And 
conflicted with my schedule, but I don't know. I, I like speaking, so we'll, we'll see what the what the future brings. Yeah, and like you have that great Instagram platform, so there's plenty of opportunities as things go on. So um, another thing I really wanted to talk about because I think it's so important, and I've watched. I know you have a really great um, IGTV video about um, Black Lives Matter movement and the health disparities within dentistry and in just everything going on in dental school. So could you talk a little bit about how dental schools could better support their Black students and also any ways that other dental students can help? Yeah. So one thing I would like to just applaud Michigan on was their cultural competency training and their commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think that Michigan Tufts Michigan Tufts um, are two of the, I think, leading schools when it comes to when it comes to initiatives like this. Um, I don't know if you've had the cultural competence training yet by Dr. Todd Esther, um, but he is he is phenomenal. He is one of my my mentors and one of my absolute honestly best friends. Um, he is for everyone who's unfamiliar with Michigan's um, kind of core core faculty. He is the dean of uh, the assistant dean of diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, and he has essentially created a very, very welcoming environment for for all all students at the University of Michigan, um, especially those students of color. And so, when I think about other dental schools that I have I have visited on my interview trail that necessarily didn't have that um, infrastructure in place for minorities, it was principally due to the lack of minorities there. Um, and if you can just imagine myself, I'm, I'm a, a black, black man, that's how I identify. Um, and I went to undergrad at an all male black school, essentially. It was a historically black college and university. And so for me, when I was trying to figure out which dental school I wanted to go to, transitioning from that environment where I was with all men and they were all predominantly African-American, moving from that environment to one that was completely outside of that would have been a very difficult transition for me. And that was a main driving force towards Michigan, but also um, it's a important factor for other dental students, or excuse me, for other dental schools to consider just to get more students of color in their programs to be able to serve the populations that require them. Um, because patients, patients feel, and this is just how palpations are, patients feel most comfortable with providers that, that look like them. And that's not to say that if you're a black dentist or a white dentist or an Asian dentist or anything like that, that a patient will automatically feel uncomfortable with you. But there is a sense of familiarity when it comes to um, minorities and their, and their healthcare professionals when they do look like them. And this stems from a long history of medical distrust between black people and healthcare providers. For the listeners out there, there's been a long documented history of essentially medical abuse with black communities. Things like the Tuskegee syphilis study where black people were, um, were had syphilis, were left untreated for, and essentially the federal government was not treating them so they could watch the progression of the disease. Um, and they just, de- they, they, they told the, and they never told the, the black people that they had syphilis. They just said, oh, you have bad blood and, and we're just monitoring. But in reality, the federal government was literally um, just watching the progression of this disease um, unfold until they just documented it. They have um, a long history of, um, of 
uh, o, like OBGYN type surgeries on slaves and not using anesthesia. There's a lot of things like that. And so when you're working with older, especially older black patients, they have that stigma about healthcare professionals passed down from their parents and, then, and their generations. And so that causes just a natural, sometimes distrust with medical professionals. And that's not to say that they will distrust every doctor who doesn't look like them, but when they do have a black doctor or any doctor that looks like them, it just gives them a, a sense of kind of comfort that, okay, I really know this person has my best interests at heart. And in my video that I post on Instagram, I was just kind of bringing attention to that, that situation and then kind of steps that dental schools can take to, to increase the amount of diversity in their classes. Thank you. Yeah, I'll definitely, um, I'll ha- for sure have your Instagram linked below and everything. But when the day this podcast goes up, I'll also put that video on our story so that people can easily access it. Um, only a couple questions left, but the next one is what's been your biggest challenge either now as a dentist or while you were in dental school? I know that dentistry with Stephen, Stephen Lou, he's, he's, he's a good friend of mine in dental school too. He mentioned it and it's the same one, boards. Um, boards is a huge financial commitment. And when you are, and so for all the younger listeners out there, when you are getting your license to practice dentistry, there are, I don't know, eight or nine different board exams you have to take. You have to take written boards, you have to take patient boards, and they all break down. But at the end of the day, between step one to your final step of getting your license, there's like nine different exams you have to take. Patient boards or the CDCA, which is like a regional licensing exam, there's like eight, there's like eight different parts to it. Okay. You have your, you have like two different types of fillings you have to do on a, on a live patient or a mannequin, kind of how they have it now. Um, you have to do a cleaning. You have to do another written part of boards for that specifically. It's a lot of stuff you have to do. And so for my biggest challenge was just one over overcoming the last live patient boards because this was, we took patient boards on the onset of the coronavirus pandemic. I think that at the time Michigan held boards, it was just when the governor had, uh, I think governor, yeah, the governor of Michigan had just put in an order that there shouldn't be more than a hundred people in an enclosed space at one time. <laughs> and I think boards, when we held it, it was like 300 people, I don't know, probably in, in one clinic. And so during my live patient boards, um, my patients were obviously scared of coronavirus, which everyone was at the time. And during boards, patients weren't showing up, patients were canceling. And when you're finding patients for boards, it's not just, oh, I'll look at my patient pool and I'll see who has a, who needs a filling and I'll just bring them in. No, there's, there's very strict criteria you're looking for when you're trying to find a patient that would satisfy your board's criteria. And so finding a patient for boards takes weeks, if not months. And when I was looking for patients for boards, you want to make sure that your patients know how important boards is because they don't show up. You can't do the filling. And then you either have to try to find one at the last minute or you have to reschedule. Um, And so I found all my patients for boards ahead of time. But during the actual exam, which I had been, which we all planned and had paid for, you know, months in advance, they decided not to show up and that just caused a rift in the whole schedule because if your patient doesn't show up and you have to take it at a later date and all this other hoopla. So that was just getting across the patient board's boundary. 
that was by far the biggest challenge I had to face and that a lot of dentists or a lot of dental students have to face because boards is expensive. It's like, I need to tally up how much it costs for all the exams, but just live patient boards alone, that's like $2,300 for the CBCA. And you have to have an assistant there. And so you have, you have to pay your assistant. When I paid, I paid my assistant 300 because she was a, a certified assistant. Like she was a trained assistant. And so it's just a lot of money invested into it. Fortunately, I overcame it by, you know, finding another patient and and at the last minute and doing all this other stuff. Um, But at the end of the day, that was kind of my biggest challenge. Yeah. And hopefully that won't be as much of an issue for people because I know Steven mentioned they're trying to get like mannequin baseboards approved. So that would be good in the future, I guess, to deal with patients not canceling and everything. Yeah. And then, you know, you have to, bri- you know, there's horror stories of patients sometimes. Sometimes our class had to, you know, have a, have a Facebook post or a group, a group post saying, this is how much we're going to compensate our patients for coming in. Because in history's past, if a, a student really needed a patient, they'd say, I, I, you know, at this point, they'll say, I'll pay you basically whatever you want. I'll pay you 200 dollars I just need you to come in. And sometimes what would happen is patients would be in the lobby of the clinic and they would say, how much is your student paying you? Well, my student's not paying me that much. And then it can hold their cavities hostage on the day of the exam saying, I'm not going to let you do this unless you give me 200 more dollars. You know, that, that's something that's happened in history's past. Oh so, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the whole, the whole boards of live patients, the whole system is just antiquated. Like we need to just go ahead and shift towards mannequin based boards. I know Florida, they, the governor here, said that you can take mannequin boards, but only until September. Um, I don't think any other state put that um, that time restriction on it. But Florida was only until September. Georgia is extremely resistant in their giving in their allowing of the mannequin exam. They're, I think, they're they're south and they're conservative and and whatever. But yeah, hopefully one day that the mannequin board can just be a thing of of the present. Yeah, definitely. So we are wrapping up. I just have one more question. Um, you kind of actually already touched on it a little bit when you mentioned that one of your big like whys for why you're doing dentistry is to provide for your future family. But um, the question is, how does dentistry fit into your overall life goals? I think this is a this is a question that you'll think about and you'll develop throughout your your career. When I was a pre dental student. I thought, oh, I love dentistry. I'm going to do this until I retire and do all this. I think that my goals have been since changed a little bit. You know, I still like dentistry and I still want to be a dentist for a long time, but I want to use dentistry as a stepping stone to just expand my, um, my financial kind of foundation. So I plan on using my income from dentistry to expand into real estate, into other business ventures, because at the end of the day, what I want is I just want a very strong, stable financial foundation for my family. And we're very fortunate that the income provided by dentistry, it's, it's a very solid income. Um, but with that being said, you also want to take that income and invest it in other, in other avenues. You know, you don't just want to take your income, or at least I don't just want to take my income and spend it on a new Tesla and a new boat. <laughs> you know, I want to use that to invest in other avenues. Um, so hopefully one day I can just practice dentistry, you know, two, three days a week um, and just have passive income to essentially cover 
cover the rest. And so dentistry, it's, it fits very integral into, into my life goals in that it is a platform or trampoline to catapult me to kind of a life of passive income. That's awesome. Do you have any, quickly before we wrap up, like people that you follow or have learned from about like investing? There's a few um, cool doctors I follow on Instagram that um, I just, I find that I like their persona. I like their approach to life. Uh, one of them is <laughs> Dr. Rose Eilift. Um, that's his, his username. It, it, he's, a, he's a very, he's a very cool guy. He, he serves um, the dentistry population in, I believe it's Texas. He is a uh, he's a he's a dentist, but he's also a, a musician. So he, he's a rapper, <laughs> so to speak. So he uses his dentistry business to kind of catapult his music career, just the finances from that. And I think he's just he's just a very cool, um, very cool perspective that all dentist all dentists don't have to be very cookie cutter. You know, it's the the, the days of dentists have to fit one mold and they can't be expressive online is is far from over similar to the med bikini movement dentists and healthcare professionals they don't have to fit into some static mold that and, and not show that they have lives like this dentist he he shows off his, his jewelry he shows off his practice you know he's he's cool he's a character and his patients love him you know the the patients are able to see kind of his behind the scenes of his life and his practice and it's, it's motivating for not only his his patients to see his life outside of the clinic, but also young dentists like myself who say, who think, you know, there's, there's a life outside of this whole dental world stuff. That's great. So we did cover a ton of stuff today and you gave so much information, but do you have any closing advice for listeners? In life, there, there will be failures, there will be setbacks. Um, but when you have those, those situations, just use them as opportunities to learn and, and to grow, okay? Just because you fail something doesn't make you a failure. Um, and I think that when you approach life with the mindset that anything that happens is just an opportunity to learn and improve, your, your outlook on life gets a whole lot more positive. Thank you. Yeah, that's a great way to end things. So what is the best way for people to get in contact with you if they do have more questions? Yeah, shoot me shoot me a DM on um, on Instagram. I'm fairly active when I'm not in clinic. Um, we have a few non-clinical days right now in residency. And so I usually plan my, my big cases on those days. Um, so I'm, I can plan those from away from the clinic. So I can respond to DMs fairly, fairly routinely. Um, so yeah, just message me on Instagram at symbol Dr. Jordan Brown. Great. Thank you so much for everything this morning. I really appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thank you for having me, Haley. All right. That is the end of this episode with Dr. Jordan Brown. I hope you all thought it was really insightful and learned a lot. Be sure to reach out to him if you do have any questions or want more information about his downloadable books or anything else. He's very responsive on Instagram and always willing to help pre-dental students or dental students or connect with any dentists. And next week, I want you guys to be excited and looking forward to our upcoming episode. It's actually going to be another guest because I'm in the middle of all those exams, like I told you in the intro. So it's going to be another pediatric dentist. She, um, Her name is Dr. Jordan Burden, and she's another recent graduate, so I think you guys are going to really enjoy that perspective. It's quite different than the other pediatric dentist episode we actually had a few weeks ago. We just cover kind of different questions and talk a little bit more about 
getting into the program and the application process rather than maybe what kind of characteristics you would be expecting of a pediatric dentist. So it's a little bit of a different conversation, and I think you will still find it to be very informational. So I will talk to you all for that episode next Monday.